I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. My friend Lisa, who is an entrepreneur, just like I am, um, in this season of absolutely everything's different and you've got to pivot and you've got to figure things out. We've been sharing information and Lisa reached out and was like, we are doing the greatest thing. You guys have to do this thing. So we had made an appointment to talk about it. And then I was like, well, dang, we should just record this. And because if, if you love it, I'm going to love it. And if we love it, the entrepreneurs listening to this, will get something out of it as well. So that was like where it started. Um, but before we jump into the exciting thing that you're going to tell me about, tell me like how, what's business look like for you guys today? How have you pivoted inside of quarantine? Can we sort of start, I guess I'm going too fast because I also am like forgetting that everyone like my, I didn't even say you're Lisa Bill, you, you built Quest Nutrition alongside your husband, Tom. I haven't done a very good job because I'm just excited to see you and talk to you. So tell me what life looks like right now yeah, um, for you guys. So awesome speaking to you, girl. And um, yeah, so right now um, we have Impact Theory, which of course you were on Tom's show and content has just changed. It's a different freaking world. And what's weird is it's changing every week and I'm not used to that rapid of a turnover right so just when you think you understand your audience just when you think you understand your metrics and how to deliver impact everything has changed and it can be scary for sure and my instinct is to go into the fear monger you know mode of like oh my god what is happening but I always remind myself in the worst situations the best things can come from it like and it doesn't ever feel real right in in that moment it doesn't feel like it so I look at our content and I said okay like when we all went into quarantine that first couple of weeks everyone was like they wanted to be empowered our content was doing great um and then it's just you know the world started to change obviously with the murder of George Floyd like there's so many things that changed week after week and I'm just trying to navigate I mean I'm about to be 41, Rach. And, you know, <laughs> just when you think that you can get comfortable, it's like you can't. And I try to find the beauty in that. I try to find the beauty in the challenge versus the frustration in it because I automatically go to the frustration. So just from a company standpoint, um, yeah, it's every week trying to assess, like, how is our content doing? Are we resonating with people what are people looking for how have people's behaviors changed and um, what is impact look like today um but then also on the other side I always ask myself what do you actually want Lisa are you happy Lisa you know when you build a business and you've especially been building it for so long and you put so much time and effort in I never want to be that person that's like well, I guess I'm all in, so I, I got to keep going. It's like, no, even if you gave five years of your life, even if you gave up, you sacrificed, you have to keep reassessing. Are you actually doing what you still love? Does the world, you know, the way the world is now, are you still enjoying it? Do you 
still wake up every day energized. It's important to ask yourself those questions. You know, so I'm kind of going through a bit of that assessment now and go, do I still love it? What does impact look like now? Um, how much time, energy am I willing to dedicate? And I'm coming back to the answer. Yes, I do want to impact. Yes, I'm willing to give it my all, but I have to ask myself that. And I'm doing that more. Right. And I think, I, I, I honestly, I'm sure you guys have been having these conversations too, but I feel like that's all of my friends who are in the content space everything is shifting so quickly and everything in everything feels very polarizing right now. And it, you know, people are scared, people are out of work, everything is uncertain. And I was asking myself recently, I'm like, I've been through this before. Like, this is not the first time that social has felt like this for me. And so I was asking like, what is, when have I felt like this before? And I realized it was before the last election. So I do think that there is something historically about, and, and will continue to be so every single time that we have an election and how that affects social. And I do think that there's something, the conspiracy theory person in me feels like stuff gets drummed up on both sides to distract us from the real issues, to distract us from the change that needs to happen, to distract on many levels, on both sides, not just one side. So I do remember feeling like this before, like, what the heck? What am I supposed to do? Or how am I supposed to speak to people? And it was the last time that we were coming up on an election. So my theory for you, for everybody listening is, this will only get worse. This will only get worse leading up into no, until November. It will only become more polarizing because there's something weird about social where people, I was just talking about this with Beans the other day, that like people think that the point of social media is to have a debate. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even matter what you say. You'll be like, oh, I what a beautiful day. And someone will be like, it's not beautiful where I am. It's like, what in the world? So I think that there's something fantastic about approaching it of like, what are your core values? You know, you guys are so wrapped around this idea of impact and what does impact look like to you? And if you're listening to this, it doesn't have to be the same as Tom and Lisa or the same as me, but what are the core values that you want to show up for with your community? Because I do think lots of people who have been putting good out into the world will hesitate to do that because they're going to get opposition no matter what they're posting. And that scares me because if the people who have been creating content to make the world a better place start to be too afraid to post, then I feel like evil wins, right? Then I feel like the only thing available in news feeds is vitriol and hatred and division. And so if you are a content creator and you're listening to us have this conversation, man, I just want to encourage you to double down on goodness, triple down on positivity, even if you're going to get shit for it, because better to show up as yourself in a world where so many people are afraid to create than to hide away and like hope that it's going to go away because it's not, not for a long time. So freaking true girl. And, um, I've been trying to kind of like put this into like a phrase that I can kind of repeat to myself. It's not perfect yet, but the thing that I go with is I'd rather be um, rejected for being true to myself than accepted for being a false. 
And I remind myself of that every single day because every time you're putting out content, whether you're in the content world or not, right? Whether however you are showing up, at the end of the freaking day, it is you at the end of the day that lies down, closes your eyes. And how do you feel about yourself? And I that's what I'm going back to, though. I'm just reminding myself, how do I want to feel about myself when I am by myself? Period. And if other people don't agree with my opinion, that is their prerogative. Everyone has the freedom not to. But I will not then, I will not act to please other people because when I'm by myself, do I say, I'm proud of you, Lisa. I'm proud that you stood up for who you were and what you believed in. Um, And I keep reminding myself of that. And I think that there's power too in continuing to show up. Obviously, if you are creating content, if you are putting anything out into the world, you're writing, you're podcasting, you're doing YouTube, social, anything. I think that there's power in continuing to show up as you were, so long as you are cognizant and conscious of what the world looks like now. So I think that that's why the shift and the pivot feels so uncertain is because the world is changing so fast. And because now everything has to come through, it it must come through the lens of the world that people are living in. Because I think what is shocking to me is people who are creating content just like they were six months ago. And there's no conversation about where people are at or what they're doing or how you know, millions, the highest number ever are unemployed and businesses are failing by droves. And there's all of these people on social who are, are just, you know, like, here's my coffee pick, you know, like here's my acting like everything's the same and it's not. I think that's the piece where you're going to meet with, I mean, you'll probably meet with opposition no matter what, but so long as you're continuing to like speak your truth and you are speaking it through the lens of reality of the world that we are living in, you have to be willing to keep putting it out there, even if you're going to get pushed back. Cause you will, cause that's just the nature of social media right now. And it will be for the next six months. Yeah. And especially at a time like this, I think we're so everybody is vulnerable because everybody is entering a world where they do not know. I mean, you know, and you can go into it feeling the fear or you can go into it saying, I'm going to commit to being authentic to me and everything else will follow. You know, I mean, just if you want to talk about business, like we started Quest in 2009, like the worst freaking time where right. people are like, hang on a minute, right. not only are you starting a business in like when the economy has completely crashed, you're starting a business in something that isn't a necessity, right? Protein bars, no one needs a protein right. bar and they're not cheap because of the quality that we were producing them at. Um, and you're going into manufacturing. Like manufacturing is like, what are you doing? Go into tech. Um, so everyone was like, are you crazy? But it's like, we believed in what we were doing. We had a vision of what we were doing and we were true to um, who we were. So any business, anything that people are trying to navigate, like first things first, stay true to who you are. And next thing is believe in what you're doing. So how do you feel like, I mean, starting a business after the 2008 collapse, I mean, starting a business in 2009 is ballsy. How do you feel like that has prepared you to handle where we're oh at my right god now. in so many ways because it's like the proof is in the pudding 
right? I was naive enough to not realize how badly the economy was and starting a business in 2009 was the worst time ever. You know, so I was naive to not even realize that was a bad strategy. And, um, and then in, you know, the protein bar market um, alone, it was completely deteriorating. Like all the health stores, their department in just the protein bar market was almost non-existent. So when we came around, they're like, guys, there's like 1200 bars on the market and none of them do well. What the hell are you thinking? But the, yeah. it comes back down to the notion of be so freaking good, Rage. They can't ignore you. Right. If you're right. that good, when our protein bar was that good, despite of the economy, despite it not being a necessity, the fact that we put everything, we believed in the product, we wanted it to succeed, we did everything we possibly could, we put all our money behind it, we wouldn't put out garbage. Like we made sure that our value was so much to other people that they couldn't help but part with their three dollars for a protein bar, right? That's when you know that um you, what you're doing is is hopefully going to be successful where someone is willing to part with, you know, whatever you're offering, because what you're offering is so much more than what they have in their pocket. Like that's what you need to focus on. Be so freaking good. They cannot ignore you. It's like, can I even just talk about your live event for a second? Right. It's like you're in the livest event space. Your entire business is built about going in, in front of people. And now the word, the world closes down. While most people rage, go, oh my God, my business is over. You go, hmm, what can I do? I know, let me do it online. And let me be so freaking good that people are going to want to buy tickets. And what did you do? You went out, you sold tickets, you freaking smashed it. And you were so good, you couldn't be ignored. So that's what people need to remind themselves. It's not even just about the world. It's about you. Yeah. And I think I was just talking uh, to someone earlier today about this idea that what I think I'm most shocked about in this season is not that we had to pivot because I also had an, a business that I took through 2008, 2009. I had a luxury event planning business. Like nobody wanted a luxury event 2008, 2009, but you have to figure it out. And there is such incredible power for me in having figured it out before that I feel like I moved pretty quickly this time. What I'm shocked about is that I haven't pivoted once. I've pivoted mm. like six times since March because naively, I'm like, I'm going to be honest. When we were in this and it was like, okay, we're going to go work out of our house, you know, and we're going to work virtually in, in March or whatever. I was like, I remember we were sitting around our table with our kids and we were making bets on when we would be out of quarantine. And I remember like as a joke saying the end of May, like, oh, I mean, this is crazy, but like end of May. And now we're at the end of July. And so because I thought it was going to be a shorter window, because I had no concept of global pandemic, I for sure thought that we were pivoting with a virtual event, but that live events would happen later mm. in the year, like I naively. So I was just like, oh, this is sort of this bridge to get you back into regular business. So it's not just a pivot once it's like pivot once and then, Oh crap, we're okay. We're pivoting again and we're pivoting again. And so now I'm wrapping my mind around or like getting into the mindset of expect the unexpected, no rules. Nobody knows what's going to happen. 
plan for every eventuality, be ready to pivot again if you need to. Because at this point, all of my friends who are entrepreneurs are telling me the story. Like, yeah, we made a choice in April and now we're making a whole new choice because this is what we have to do. Is that, are you guys experiencing that? 100%. So um, we've always had a, you know, very audacious goal to build the next Disney. So we're yep. still on that path. Um, but we were in we started with comic books so we were using we were having designers you know we had writers and we were creating graphic novels and the graphic novels were a stepping stone in order for us to gain momentum get people to love the story then go out and sell the IP or do deals with Netflix or a studio that was our game plan now the second we go into quarantine what happens the only distribution of comics goes under Right. So initially they announced I didn't even think about that. Yeah, they announced a Whoa. hold. They're like, oh, we're just there's so there's a monopoly on distribution. One company has it. It's a whole lot of story, but wow. one company has it. We go into quarantine, of course, all mom and pop comics book stores shut. Um the distribution, they go, okay, guys, we're putting everything on hold. It's just gonna be a couple of months. And of course, a couple of weeks later, you hear, oh, we actually can't pay everyone that we owe so the next thing you hear is well hang on if no one can distribute then the comic book stores that are even closed cannot even sell anything even when they open so the comic book industry like that died like that wow i did not know this so now look is can there be a revive people that may be listening in the comic book world be like lisa you're you know a fear monger but that's how i see it right it's like okay well we can't distribute comics for four, five, six months. So, oh my God, what are we going to do? This is our entire business model, right? To get into movies and television, to build the next studio and poof, gone. Um, so we're like, well, what do we do? So Tom immediately goes, okay, well, this is like, you know, um, it's what, is, how can this be the best thing that's ever happened to us? It's purely right. perspective. So we switched off that side instead of going, oh my God, we can't sell comics. Oh my God, what are we going to do? We just go, cool. What's the best thing that, how can this be the best thing? So we start looking at digital, right? The digital market, it wasn't big, like at least that we had done the research. And then all of a sudden, Rach, we found Webtoons. And I don't know if you know what Webtoons is, and I'm not sure if your audience cares, but it's basically a, think of Instagram for comic books. So it's a scroll. Oh, it's, cool. You pick someone's story and the whole story, you just scroll on your finger. Oh, now, wow. This means where printable comic books if you had a success these days maybe you sell twenty thousand copies as a success like that's like the biggest oh my god batman just sold twenty thousand copies of one issue that's a success on webtoons ready views on the top gets 30 million views whoa so now it's kind of like me telling you rage oh everyone needs to print books you need a, you need a book deal and then all of a sudden you realize, hang on, I can blog. I can right. go and do it for free and have people right. tell me whether they like it or not. So right. like that, overnight, we switched our model. We changed it. We had our artists get our Neon Future, our comic books. They re-swapped swapped them out, rejigged it. And now it's a scroll. And we literally launched two days ago. And you're supposed to get about 40,000 views in a month to get recognized as a plat- on their platform. We got 40,000 views in less than a week. So, oh, wow. So just looking at a business model, right? Like as for your audience to listen, it's like everything everyone's doing, you think it's the path. 
But what mm-hmm. if it's not? What if this actually is an amazing opportunity for you to discover a new path that you wouldn't have seen if this hadn't happened? Absolutely. And I think that there is, it's like, I, people say this and I, I feel like you have to be so careful with the way that you say this, because I can understand that if you were listening to this and you have been furloughed, you got laid off, you know, someone who's sick, that it is, it would piss me off to the greatest degree. If I heard someone say there's opportunity here, but if you're listening to this right now, what I want you to get is that we are not saying this is a time to take advantage. We are saying this is a time to ask yourself, how can this be for me? Because the alternative is that all of this is happening to you and it's going to, you know, destroy your business or hurt your career or hurt your family or hurt your finances. Those things can be true. But the flip side of it is even if you said, man, I don't know how this can be for me, but I have been home and I've gotten to connect with my kids in a way that I never have in the past decade. Or I'm slow, my pace is slowed down. And so I'm able to reconnect with my partner in a way that we really needed to. There are opportunities here for your life, but you have to ask yourself that question. Okay, how do I make this something good? Because it is a choice that you will have to make. It's not just going to naturally appear for us to do a virtual event for you to get on this thing. I was asking myself this question. I literally sat in my office and I was like, how could, how could I, how, what could I do? What could I do? What could I do? And for sure, I had a thought of people in this industry, like we've definitely talked about doing virtual stuff before, but my instinct has always been, there's no way that we can give you the experience of a rise event unless you're there in person, because you've been at a rise event. There's something very special that happens when all of these people together in one space. And I was adamant that there was no way that we could pull this off virtually. Well, the, when you look at sort of the world that you're living in, I have to ask myself this question. Okay. Can you create the exact same thing? No, but can you create something that is freaking awesome? That serves your community, that gives them a sense of hope that brings incredible teachers. Can you do that? virtually? Hell yes. And if you can do that, then it was almost for us. And I don't know if you guys would say this, but it was almost for us. Like I had been telling myself that I didn't want to do a virtual rise event because I was thinking I didn't want to redo my event. But what I really truly did was come up with a whole other type of business that is not the same thing as a live event. They, they, they don't even, they're not even close because they're two completely diff- different experiences. So for you, it's like, yes, it's still in this comic book world, but it's a whole new medium for us to explore what it is. Yeah, 100%. Thank you so much for clarifying because sometimes I don't realize how other people may hear. And like you put, you hit the nail on the head. The thing is right now we're all in a situation we cannot control. Like we cannot Active. I wish I could. I'm, I'm that type of person that wants to take ownership over everything, Rage. So I wish I could take ownership over it. I just can't. So I go, okay, with all the things that are out of my control, what can I control? And the thing I know without a doubt is my mindset, period. No one has authorization to control my mindset except for me. And so when I think about that and I think I, I can naturally 
um, fall into the woe is me, oh my God, this sucks, like what is happening to the world? Like I can easily fall into that, which is why I always remind myself that I have the choice. I have the choice on how I respond. I have the choice on what perspective I look through, right? What lens I'm choosing to use. Like that is my choice. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that people don't have just the utmost excruciating things that they have to deal with, but how they emotionally show up is a choice. And once I take ownership for that, to me, that is the most beautiful, beautiful thing like that is the most freeing thing a person can possibly tell me so um that's why I love repeating that because while in a world where things are not in our control I feel like I need to have something that I can control and my mindset is that so so if you're listening to this right now and you're like I want to have I want to be in control of my mindset but I have no idea how one even does that is this the way you've always been? You've always sort of had this perspective or this is something that you've learned? Oh, 100% something I've learned through um, growth, evolution. Um, as you know, I was a housewife um, for eight years and I just want to say like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a housewife. Like it can be the most beautiful choice a human can make. I didn't make that choice. I fell into it and I didn't want to be. And so my culture being very Greek, very traditional, um, I'd kind of been... Um, coached if you will to turn into that and so I didn't realize I didn't want it until eight years had gone you know I was miserable I wasn't happy and so I realized okay well in order to build the life I actually want I have to actually do something about it like I cannot just sit at home waiting for my husband to come home and fill my life with joy like that's not fair on him that's not fair on our relationship and that's not fair on me so I I have to act I have to take ownership and so that has been like a 15 year journey of how do I do that how do I identify things and a lot of people I think um people have their own like um struggles for me it was emotion it was the second I would feel emotional it would warp how I would think it would overtake my body I would say things that I didn't mean I would say things that I would regret and I started to go is this the life I want is am I the human that I really dreamed I wanted to be and the answer was no and so over time building quests I started quest forced me to look nakedly at my inadequacies right <laughs> I know yes like I love way. Tom <laughs> I freaking love Tom I I will say like being friends with Tom and Lisa is one of the greatest gifts in my life because you are two of the most unique people I've ever met ever and I, I don't remember what the prompt was we were having like a mastermind and I asked something and Tom what did he say he's like I stare nakedly at, at my, inadequacies. At my inadequacies. <laughs> and everyone at the table was like what the hell did he just say but there's something look he is not for everyone he's not but his perspective like if you have any sort of I, like I get him and I get that sort of like mentality of kind of coming at yourself of uh, I because I've you know he said this in that yeah. same conversation is like sometimes you have to come at yourself mm -hmm. sometimes you authentically have to be your own coach you have to get in your own face and you have to be honest about where you're messing up what's going on what are you going to do to fix it like I love that about him yeah, and this I love. I knew you, you love that quote, which is why I repeated it. But it's true because so you have to stand nakedly at your inadequacies and nakedly, so that there's nothing that's tricking you, right? It's like, mm. but look at it and go, okay, 
I'm bad here. I'm very bad here. But the great news is I can get better if I want to. And it's that shift in mindset that honestly takes me from not believing in myself at all to believing I can accomplish anything. So for instance, if I was to say to you, Rachel, so do you play an instrument? Um, not since I was a little girl. Okay. Um, what instrument did you play? Clarinet. Okay. Um, do you, <laughs> Karen, all right, I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> so, in fact, <laughs> so for instance, example. Do you want me to say something cooler? Yeah. Something cool. I don't want to offend okay, anyone that plays play the clarinet. electric guitar. All right. So, if I was to say to you, Rach, you know what? You could be the world's best electric guitar player on the freaking planet. Would you believe me? Yes. Okay. Why do you believe me? But it's me. me. Like, I know, I, I know. I really, <laughs> but, but let's I break 100%, it down, right? 100%, yes, yeah. Anyone listening, if I had asked that same question, what would their answer have been? Probably no. No. Okay, yeah. so explain to me, Rach, why you said yes. Because I truly, with every fiber of my being, believe that we can achieve anything if we have the right information and we're willing to work for it. Boom. Precisely, right? It's like you could be world-class at it if you decided I don't want to be a mum anymore I don't want to run my own business right right? I don't care about my health like but there's a world where you wake up you play the guitar you go to bed playing the guitar you do that Mm -hmm. for 10 freaking years I pretty much guarantee you you're gonna be good yeah so right now the question is who the hell wants like you don't want to give up your life to play the guitar but that's a choice so now I go back to how do we empower ourselves with our mindset we say, can we achieve something? Doesn't mean it's not going to be freaking hard. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to sacrifice. It doesn't mean you may not have to give up everything that you're not willing to give up. But tell yourself that that's then the choice you're making. I choose not to sacrifice. I choose not to give up my life. I choose not to do X, Y, and Z to achieve this. But at least doing it with your right. wide, your eyes wide open, to me, is empowering. Right. I love one of the things I love. I feel like I've quoted this back to you like 50 times, but one of the things I love that you and Tom say to each other is no bullshit. What would it take? Yeah. So you two, you know, I'm not even going to put words in your mouth. Will you tell listeners that like how you guys do that, how you have that conversation? Yeah. It just, it, it goes back to what I was saying. It's you can say to someone, okay. Um, if you say Rachel, no, I don't, I don't play the guitar. No, no. Okay. Well you're saying you can't, but let's just, put aside all the things that block you from thinking it's possible. So let's just play the no bullshit game. Okay, for you to play the guitar, what would it actually take? And you'll say, all right, Lisa, it would take me to like give up my children. Okay, cool, you're not willing to do that. So there you go, there's your answer. But to say it's not possible means that you're not actually seeing every angle and then honestly answering, is that worth it or not? You know, so with Tom and I, when we started Quest, it was no bullshit what would it take? All right, babe, we're going to have to put every single penny into it. All right, what else will it take? All right, it's going to take us three, five, ten years of sacrifice, which means we're not going to go on a vacation for years. All right, what else is it going to take? It means that on a Saturday night, we're not going to have day night. Okay, now at least if I know the realities of what it's going to take, I can go in with my eyes open and say, okay, I'm willing to do it. Or no, I'm not okay. I'm not willing. But what I never want to do is go into something with my eyes closed and go, oh my God, I didn't realize this would happen. Or just say, no, it's not possible without actually looking at whether it is or not and whether I'm willing to sacrifice or not. Because it can open your eyes to things 
Like with Quest, I was like, okay, the no bullshit, we have to put in our money. Okay, well, what happens if we lose it? It means that we lose our house. Okay, no bullshit, that's a real answer. And I looked and I said, okay, do I, do I want to lose my house or not? And I said, I don't care. Supporting my husband, you know, being there for somebody, for him who's extremely ambitious, like that was important to me. So I could go in with my eyes open. But so many people, they say no, they can't do something. But the truth is they're just not willing to, which is fine. It's okay. Which is fine. Exactly. But call it what it is. And and I would say for me too, like wanting so desperately to be an author, wanting so desperately to be an author while I had young children and a full-time job and a husband and all of these things. And, you know, I get asked all the time, like, how, how do you fit all these things in? How did you, I got up at 5am. I got up at 4am. The no bullshit. What would, what would it take was it would take two or three hours every single day, focused energy, nobody bothering me. Okay. Where are those hours located? They're located when my children are asleep. But the flip is I basically sleep as much as a toddler. So I knew that it wasn't possible for me to stay up late. I'm not a night out. My brain can, I'm sure it could try, but I'm not great at writing. My creative time is not in the middle of the night. So no bullshit. It took getting up at 4am. It took, you know, 5am sitting at my kitchen counter. And I did that every freaking day, seven days a week until I had a manuscript. So I, I love this question and I admire it so much. And I think it's so powerful to ask yourself and also, you know, whether it's your partner or a friend or someone in your life that can sort of brainstorm that with you, because mm-hmm. I think that oftentimes we don't see our own limitations or we're not great at brainstorming by ourselves. And so there's power in having that conversation with someone in your life who's like, okay, it would take a million dollars. It would take a publicist, it would take this, it would take that, it would take whatever. But like you said, at least now you know. And when you have, yeah, and but when you're having that discussion, you need to be open to what that person is going to say to you because the, a lot of the time they're going to say, oh, and this, and you'll be like, no, that's not possible. Like you, I have done that so many times where it's like, well, we could lose the house. No, we're not. I can't lose my house, right? And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Yes, you can lose your house, Lisa. You can give up your house. Like, so we, yeah. we have these kind of pillars where it's like, oh, no, that's not possible because we are so, you know, myself included, I've been dogmatic before. I've lived, you know, a certain amount of years believing a certain something. And it's like, what do you mean I, I, I can't have kids? Like, I didn't even realize, Rachel, that was a choice. Like, I didn't even mm. think that I could debate or to talk to my husband about the fact that maybe we shouldn't have kids because it didn't even occur to me until Tom said it. And I was like, wow, you're right. Like, it, it, we didn't play the no BS game back then, right? It was like, well, of course you're going to have kids. I was like, no, no, no BS thing is if you want to, you know, build a business, you want to commit a certain amount of time, well, how are you going to do that? One option is don't have children. And, and I think... Um... There are so many things. One of the gifts in this season is how many things have we all accepted as sort of facts of life or the way things must be. And now it's very different on in terms of technology, in terms of the way that we do business, in terms of how we do business or how we interact with other people. But also there were a lot of memes going around and maybe still are that were sort of like, make sure that as you rebuild sort of that future life that you know which parts of it that you want to rebuild. Um, Even when we first went into quarantine and, you know, I definitely didn't see, and I'm going to guess most people never foresaw a world where you would go to the grocery store and it just wouldn't have stuff. 
And that was so terrifying because you don't know what on earth this means. But I remember this is like so stupid, but bear with me. Um, I hate tuna and oil, like canned tuna and oil. I just like, for I've never gotten out, I just don't like it. It's not my thing. And damn, if, you know, during quarantine, I didn't eat tuna, canned tuna in oil all the time because that was a preference that wasn't based on fact. Like I would have said, oh, that's disgusting. I will never, no, that's a privilege that you have that you get to decide how your food shows up or when. And suddenly when that's removed from you, you see what is actually real. And I think that there is beauty for so many of us in which parts of this life, which parts of this business or this career or these relationships do I want to keep and bring with me into this future? Because the beauty of the chaos that we're living in is that we get to decide. And I can't think of anything that would be worse than, you know, nine months from now, we're resuming some kind of normal behavior and you have the exact same life that you had before. Mm. Yeah, everyone's like, what? it just feels like you missed it. Yeah, everyone says, you know, when you think we're going back to normal, and I'm just like, there is no normal. And there is no normal. Going back to like, I, I try and see the beauty in that. I really do. It's like, it, I have a choice, see the, the hate or, you know, the misery or see the, the beauty. And so it's like, man, when those are my choices, I'm going to pick beauty every single time. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the assess what you love doing, what you're, you know, um, it, it gives us an opportunity almost to like stop and stop doing the things we weren't enjoying, but we're doing it because right. momentum had us doing it. Right. Or because people thought we should, or because that's what we've come to believe, or just because it's habit, like that you've just done it for so long that it never occurred to you to approach anything differently. I'm curious for you. uh, I need to ask this to more friends who are entrepreneurs. Like I, I feel like I've gone through, you know, all of the emotions in this season because of what's happening in the world. And then also because of what's happening for me personally, but I'm, I'm really reaching for motivation and inspiration right now. And I'm doing some pretty specific things to kind of re fan that flame in myself, partially because, you know, May, June, we're, I'm now almost three months into this process with going through divorce and the not that the public knew it was three months long, but just that's where that's like how long it's been. And I've really challenged myself to sit in the discomfort of it and feel the feelings and like be in the way this feels and not rush, you know, cause typically I'd sort of try and rush and make myself feel better. And I'm like, no, this is a big catastrophic shit storm. So like you need to sit in this and feel it. And I absolutely am. But you know, sort of three months into this process, I am starting to challenge myself to find some inspiration again, to find some motivation because it just makes me feel better. Because mm-hmm. at some point, the Pollyanna in me has got to start reaching for like who I am, which is how is this for me? Let's be positive. That's just, that's my makeup. And it makes me feel better to reach for those things. So I'm doing some pretty specific things. Are there things that you are doing in the season, you or members of your staff or you and Tom that you feel like are helping you to feel more 
quote unquote normal or feel motivated or feel inspired as the world is sort of in chaos? Yes, we are allowing ourselves to play more. Yeah, you guys said that. You know, I love that yeah, we we are so freaking, you know, building quest was extremely intense. Um and then moving into impact there, we basically, you know, started from scratch again. So we built our business from our house and, you know, we were living in our studio for three years. Yeah. And then we finally got out and, you know, the COVID happened. And so it became a, um, we now have, so now I'm working and living in the same space again, like a lot of people, but it's, it's given me space to spend time with Tom you know, the first, because like with you, it's like, well, it's only going to be a month, it's only going to be a couple of weeks. So let's just make the most of it. Let's just hang out more. Let's watch the movies. Let's really play more, get creative more. And because we found that it has fueled us and it connects us on a um, creative level. So our roles are somewhat different in the company. So he's CEO, he's definitely, he um, ignites the flame and I'm like, I fan the flame. So I'm uh, with rocket fuel, right? He's the rocket, I'm the fuel. It has allowed us to really create together, and I didn't expect that. And then also because we're so used to working together for so long, there wasn't really much space to stop and just be a couple. During the week, from Monday to Friday, it was every second was work, work, work for years. And then we went into quarantine, and I saw my husband at 7 p.m. Like, we had dinner together? It's like, what? And yeah, first of all, it was a pleasure. And it was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And now I'm like, I don't think I realized what I had given up for so long. Mm. Like going back to habit, I was so used to not eating dinner with him. I was so used to not seeing him, not having any time with him from Monday to Friday, because that's what we agreed on, not being forced. That was like as a couple, as a goal, as a partnership, we agreed that's how we would live our lives. And I was so on board with it because of the business. I didn't realize how much emotion I was kind of suppressing from not hanging out with him. And now that I am, I'm like, mm-hmm. I said to him, I was like, babe, I, I, I want, I love being ambitious. I love him being ambitious, but there's something that's now opened inside me that I don't, I no longer want to close. And I don't think it's healthy to close again. So now we're discussing what right. does that look like? I don't want to go back in. I don't want him to feel like I'm holding him down or that his ambition or holding the company down. But I don't want to pretend that this hasn't opened something inside me. So now we're just discussing and navigating what that would look like. Does that mean every Wednesday morning I eat breakfast with him? I don't know. But we have yeah. to assess those little things Um so I don't actually know if I answered your question. No, I love that though. I love that insight. I, um, I've been going back and part of it is that I have moved. And so, you know, I've been unpacking boxes for weeks and I, in unpacking all of my books. So like, you know, just like you guys, I read constantly and have for years. So I just have hundreds of books and there is beauty in that. I started rereading the books that have been the most impactful in my life, whether those were business books or personal development books, or just some of my favorites. And they have, that has been so powerful for me, not because um, most, I know all the things, like I don't feel like I'm learning new things, but I am remembering who I was when I read it the first time. And there's something really powerful for me about remembering that, young woman and that, um, 
like, how did she feel about this? And, and what was that like? I was going through a box of pictures. I have, you know, obviously 37 years of pictures. I'm going through pictures when I moved in and I found the picture of me, 22 years old, holding my first check in business. So I'm, you know, like little nerd holding my very first check that someone paid me. I have that photo. And that was so powerful for me because I knew I had taken that picture, but I thought I lost it. It was so powerful for me. And I've been thinking of her a lot. I've been thinking of 22-year-old Rachel and this young, dumb girl who started her first business and remembering that excitement and that joy and the energy that she brought to it and how excited she was to learn and how excited she was to absorb. And so seeing that picture was then what prompted me to go back and start reading these books. And it has been so powerful for me to just like, remember that energy. I don't know. That's been, I actually that's been get it. do you kind of think it's, it, as you were talking, it's kind of like music. Like mm-hmm. it taps into a part of you, right? You, you look and listen to like 80s hip hop or something, right. right? It immediately takes you back to how you felt when you were that age and you were listening to the music. 100%. It, and so it's kind of like that. It allows you to touch base with the old you and remember who you were. Um, I think that can be so freaking powerful. Like when I want to create a certain emotion in me, I will look at music or photos and I'll go, okay, what can I look at? What can I listen to in order to get me back there? And if I'm looking for that authentic, like from, you know, day one, that like, um, that fire that you have yes. burning inside yes. you, dude, I can totally understand how that would make yeah. you feel. Yeah, that's that's been a big one. And I have definitely been trying to absorb, you know, listening to my favorite podcast, listening to the leaders and the teachers and, and all of that for the first time in several months, because I have not been present on social. I haven't been consuming it at all because I just have not been in a place emotionally where I needed any outside stimulus. And I think that's why I feel so adamant about creators creating because I do really feel like you can tell that people have stopped. You can tell that people are creating, pretending that these things aren't happening, pretending that people aren't marching in the streets, pretending that this, the vitriol that's happening because of the election, like pretending those things aren't real and that doesn't serve anybody. And I don't mean that you have to shift your content to suddenly be about things that it was never meant to be about, but I do think that you have to speak through the lens of the world that we're living in so it doesn't feel tone deaf. And so uh, that's why this idea of like keep creating because I'm looking to the leaders and the teachers and the inspiring people, like I, I sort of have left and I'm coming back and really wanting to absorb and and it's not there like the content isn't there and that makes me sad because I'm like oh dang if I feel like this (laughs) given you know that I could call you guys like I could call incredible friends and sort of get pumped up what does it feel like if you are also following these people on social and you're kind of not seeing like you it's like you can't show up and try and inspire people during the good times and then abandon them when they need it most. Mm-hmm. So I would say for the leaders, whether you are, you have a huge social following or you're leading, you know, a, your family or 12 people on Instagram, 
keep showing up. I feel like that really matters right now. And it will continue to matter as we navigate through the end of this year for sure. Yeah, I look, I understand how it and why it's tough because you know it's like look, content lives forever. And at least for me, I'm coming from a I'm in discovery, I'm in learning mode. There's so much I don't know, right? And so much I don't understand. So initially I'm like, okay, I don't want to, even about the corona, right? Everything, the way the economy is, there's so much I don't know. And so while people are like, hey what do you think I can say something but in a week I might be like oh my god Lisa you were such an idiot to think that right and so there's the fear of being wrong I mm-hmm. just want cool guys I- I'll happily be wrong right come along with me on my journey of exploration yes. Yes. and the chances are I'm gonna be wrong the chances are in three months I'm gonna look back and be like guys you know that video I put out like I've actually yeah. realized that was actually wrong and 100%. Because I don't want to be silent, but I understand the inkling because no one, I mean, look, I, I was bullied as a kid. No one wants to freaking be bullied. Yeah. And it's like, it freaking hurts. And yes. It, and so no matter who you are, where you come from, it's like when you get bullied, your instinct, right? People who get bullied normally hide, right? It's like you do, the kid that doesn't go to school because they don't want to be bullied. It's the kid that doesn't speak up because they don't want to be bullied. So it's like, I, I totally understand the, the natural inclination mm-hmm. of why. Um, so yeah, I get yeah. it. And I... Yeah, Beans and I just talked about this the other day. Um, she did racial reconciliation training for our whole company. It's the second time she's done it for me, which if you... What like, is it? So um, uh, after everything happened with George Floyd, we really wanted to figure out how we could um, learn more, be informed, give the staff training. How could we have these conversations? And Beans and her dad have done this forever. So it's racial reconciliation. So it's conversations they are leading as African-Americans to uh, our staff, which is predominantly white. And what does this look like? And how can you truly be an ally? And what is the conversation? And what Bean said in training, and what she said again um, when I interviewed her for the podcast, is you are going to get it wrong. You are going to say it wrong. <laughs> you are going to get it wrong. And if you approach the conversation with humility, with curiosity, with wanting to understand, seek first to understand instead of trying to be understood, then it it can be this evolving conversation as opposed to believing that you have the answers, getting your feelings hurt because you didn't get it right. Um, so much better to show up and be willing to like, oh my gosh, please tell me your perspective because this isn't uh, this isn't an understanding that I hold as much as you do, regardless of what regardless of what the topic is, because we only know life through our lens. So. I mean, I just, I love that you are approaching it in that way of just like, hey, I'm learning and I'm going to tell you something now to the best of my knowledge. And then three months from now, I might tell you that I was completely wrong because I'm human and this is the journey that I'm on. But better to be on a journey than to be so afraid of getting it wrong that you don't try and understand anyone else's perspective. Yeah, a hundred percent. And one thing I'd like to add is making sure that when you're talking to people, because, you know, there's, there's definitely, you know, um, there's just so much emotion wrapped up in this. That to me is like, I'm going to talk to people that have the same goal as me. If you don't have the same goal, then I can't even talk to you because we're going to come from different 
perspectives. We're going to come from different worlds and we'll never agree. But it's like, okay, if we all have the same goal, then collectively we can debate what we do to get to that goal. Right. Um, But it's going to be important to make sure that we all have that same goal and we're all pointing in that same direction. Yeah, I think for me, my attitude right now, I just, I feel like it's worth saying just for people who are listening is I'm not going to get into a debate. So I'm going to keep creating and I'm going to keep pushing things out into the world and I will not debate. In fact, I, if I'm posting, I, I'm not normally before we went through, before we announced the divorce and, and all of that stuff, I would stay in and like comment with people and have conversation and be in community. Cause that's just how I've always done social. And, uh, the reaction, um, from people about the divorce, not everybody, but there were people who were so hateful about it that, um, I was just like, I'm not, I can't interact and not being able to interact means that I couldn't even personally create. I couldn't put anything out into the world because I was too fragile. And as I'm coming back into the conversation, the conversation is, I'm going to put things out in the world. And my only intention right now is to put things out in the world that is honest, authentic, hopefully uplifting or motivating. I'm not posting very often, but when I do, I'm really trying to post something that I think will be helpful if people are in a similar situation that I am in, but I won't debate it with you. Um, I have, um, I'm going to keep learning and evolving and maybe someday I'll get to a place where I feel like I can be in those conversations. But the conversations that I need to be in are with my close best friends, with my community. Um, I'm not going to debate with strangers on the internet because most of the time those people don't want to debate or they don't want to come to a resolution. They don't actually want to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. They're coming at it for a different reason. And even when there are times where I've tried to engage in those conversations, it'll be like, oh, let's collab, like, let's get together and let's have, and it's like, wait, you just told me a piece of garbage and that you hated me. And now you're like, let's collab on something. So it's just, it's Can I ask you a question also, in those situations, do you find yourself like you're defending and then like, well, so, so I, I feel like I use this quote on every episode of this podcast, Chelsea, the producers, like you really do. But I love this quote by Byron Katie that says, defense is the first act of war. Mm-hmm. So the moment that you defend yourself, you are giving permission for the other person to start a war with you. And the, the flip way to handle this. And if you guys want to listen to it more, Oprah interviewed her on super soul sessions and it's so freaking good. If you just search like Byron Katie, Oprah, like you'll find the interview, but she, she makes Oprah like role play with her of Mm. people in her life who she would normally get into arguments with. And what is her response? And no matter what Oprah says to her, she's just like, okay. And then, but I'm really upset. I'm really mad at you. And she's like, I understand but she doesn't defend herself. And there's such incredible, like beautiful energy to me in, I, there is no way that I can possibly make everybody or anywhere even close on the internet feel okay about me. What Mm -hmm. has to matter is that the people that I love and care about most feel great and supportive and have conversations and all of that's what matters because those are, those are my real friends who really know me. 
And so there's no way that someone can take a single social media post and think that they know the full like breath of my being from one moment. And by me trying to get into debate, uh, it, it just, it's going to go sideways. So I, I guess I would say I will not debate, but I will, if I, ha- if I feel like something was wrong, I will take ownership and I will apologize. Everyone makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. Everyone, everyone's freaking human. Now, the only thing is you're in public and they're not. So you're human. You made an error. I, we have a a phrase and a saying in our company, who has credibility and credibility is earned over time. It is never given in just one instance. So our entire company, everyone has their own credibility to you. If I, let's say I'm, you know, I mean, I am a fan, but I'm, I'm a fan, right? It's like, okay, the woman apologized. She's human. What's her credibility like? If you've served me, Rage, for six months, a year, two years, and you show up for me every time, and I've gone to your events and I reach out to you, and your team is amazing, it's like, and then one mistake, I actually don't agree with that. I'm like, freaking, you've earned the credibility. You want to do good in the world. You've proven that. So now it's like, freaking, give people the grace to make an error. So I, I can't help but get a little annoyed. I understand the situation. I don't want to neglect or minimize how people felt. So I get that when something hits someone hard emotionally, you have a feeling about it. I get that. I don't want to negate that. But I would love to encourage people instead of saying, Rach, you need to post only you or no one else. I would love to encourage your audience to say, you've fucking been there for them. And I think this is your power, though, right? It's people have found you, quote unquote, right, because of the incredible books, because your podcast, all the stuff that you've done. And people have come along in different seasons and evolutions of your life. And same with me, right? So it's it's they look at the now you and they read everything in hindsight, like your before and after transformation of where you came from and what you're doing now and to be honest I actually find the beauty that your audience can follow you along right now in real time as you go through that next evolution because you will come out of it you will rise girl and when you do you'll you'll turn and you'll tell this story and if people are watching you and following you now they're able to go on that journey with you and so there's some power to that there's power to the now evolution then there is the you know in hindsight right right that's so real I I keep I'm like laughing internally because we've been talking for an hour 15 <laughs> and we have yet to discuss your brilliant idea that we are all supposed to be doing for our business it, it, it just proves we probably should have caught up as friends before we tried to do a podcast together <laughs> but will you this is like the worst transition ever but I do want to make sure we talk about it because I actually really want to hear what it is Oh, amazing. The funny thing is, so yeah, you can tell me if this actually fits the conversation now or not. Um, But we have, you know, obviously we built Quest, we built Impact Theory, and a lot of it is we have drive, we look at things, we assess things, but there hasn't really been a big structure, if you will, at it. It's like, oh, is this working? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, let's pivot. Let's do this. Let's try this. Oh, did this? Oh, this smash. And there's never been like an actual system. And over these last few months because we've been in quarantine 
and not being with our team. It's like, how do you keep people aligned? How do you keep yourself aligned? How do you make sure that what you're doing every day is also what your team is focused on every day? And so we started working on like a process and Tom, God bless my husband, came up with this. I think this is what I sent you, right? The photo, the physics (laughs) of progress. So it's basically called the physics of progress and it's got steps. And so we started to implement it in our company and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, this is genius. Oh my God, this is working. And I was like, who would get as excited as me yes. over a freaking structure of your yes. business? I was like, oh, rage would for yeah. sure. You know me, girl. You know I nerd out over that stuff. <laughs> I was so nerding out. So to give her, like, I actually have, like, a whole doc that I wrote. Like, we've got, like, step-by-steps. I can take you through that another day. Um, but basically, it's steps. It's defining your goal. Like, what is your goal? So there's difference between a mission and an actual goal, right? So it's like your mission may be to impact millions. Okay, but that's so, um, it's not tangible. Like what, you need binary. So what is your binary goal? I want Mm. to earn X amount. I want, if it's social, I want to have X amount of views. I need to be profitable by this percent. Like you have to be so damn specific. Then take one hypothesis right? So let's take your business, right? So you've got different areas, right? You've got like your book, your products, your content, your live events. So go through each category. So if your goal, let's say I'm just going to make it up on the spot, your goal right now, Rach, is to be profitable. That's your goal. Be profitable. Cool. How much do you spend? Then you know how much you have to make, right? Hypothesis on how to get to your profit. You take each division of your company, right? So you take your live events, you take your um, books, you take your merch, and you go in each category, what is an hypothesis that I can do to get to my goal? So let's say it's release a new book. All right, you're going to get profitable rage if you release a new book. So what levers are you going to pull in order to, to test that? So for me, let's say YouTube, I want to get my videos to average 50,000 per video. Okay, what levers, what options do I have? So the options that I have is, okay, um, I can test my thumbnails, the, the, the image. I can test the writing, the copy on there. Um, I can test, you know, maybe I have someone really famous on my show and I'm testing a famous face. I'm, right, so there's different levers you can pull. But you can only pull one lever at a time because if you pull multiple, you don't know which one works. You don't know which works, so, yeah. So let's say it's going, okay, so you're going to... Rachel, you're going to release a book. That's the lever you're going to try. I'm going to see if I pull the lever and release a book, is that going to reach my goal? That's my hypothesis. So I'm going to do it. All right. So you, you write a book and you release it. Then you've got the testing. What are you actually going to use as a way to you? What metrics are you going to pay attention to? Is it going to be sales? Right. So like, let's take videos, for example, if you want to be profitable and you're looking at subs well your subs won't equate to you being profitable you have to look at views but is it just views or is it um now i may lose your audience here but like view velocity right so um if you look at your view velocity on your video it means how many subscribers have watched your video now if you're looking at that the hypothesis is youtube take how many people watch it from your subs and go oh wow 80% of Rachel's audience has actually watched her video. It must be good. Let's push it out. That's a hypothesis, but that's what I'm going to be testing. So I know I'm kind of going from YouTube. I love it. I'm trying to think of an example. So, uh, So let's go back to your book. Your book is, I'm going to sell it. 
I want to, it's going to reach my goal. Okay, what are we going to look? Are we going to look at sales? Are we going to look at um, if you've reached number one? Right? There's so many metrics you can look at your book. Emotionally, you're probably looking at number one. But number reaching number one isn't necessarily going to get to your goal. Right, right. It's a vanity metric. Right. It's not an actual metric that you're going to go. The, the actual metric is how many books do I need to sell in order to be profitable? Let's say it's 10,000. Well, 10,000 ain't going to get you to the number one slot. So what is actually your goal? If you're just focused on getting to number one and you're not looking at being profitable, then, I don't know, give away your books, right? It, it, there's so many different things that you can do in order to get to number one. So if it's, I'm going to look at my sales because only my sales would dictate whether I get to my goal or not then you know every single week all you're going to look at is your data on how much you've sold period you're not going to look at number one you're not going to look at who's mentioned you you're not going to look at you know what best review site you on because none of that's going to matter because it's all going to come to sales and the reviews they go to you know, yeah, that no, but I love this. This is why specificity when it comes to a goal matters so much. I love this. It is so important. Um, and then you assess your results. Did I get there? And your metrics that you've assessed are binary, right? It's either you did or you didn't. And going, sorry, also back to the levers, it's, it has to be binary. I am going to do this. Not, Rachel, you cannot say, I'm going to put a book out that's super motivational. That's not binary. Right. Right. That's like depending on who reads it. Was it motivational to you? Right. Um, it's not a yes or no. You can say, though, I'm going to put a book out that has 700 pages. And within that 700, I'm going to touch on motivation. That's right. Binary. Rach, did you put that book out like that? Yes or no? So each lever, everything that you're looking at has to be binary. It has to be, did I pull that lever or not? Did I put the book out or not? Did it have 700 pages or not? Did it have a section on motivation or not? Cool, what am I looking at? I'm just looking at sales. Did I hit my sales? Oh crap, no I didn't. All right, if you didn't hit your sales, that's your result. Then you go to your adjustment. What was your result? Okay, I actually think that because I didn't hit my sales, you know what, it actually didn't have anything to do with the book. I actually think it's because my face wasn't on the cover. Mm. All right, now you're going back to the top. Your goal's still the same. Your hypothesis. New hypothesis. New hypothesis, new levers that you're pulling, new result, uh, new testing that you're doing, new results you're analyzing, and then you're adjusting the game. So freaking good. Have you guys like taught this? Like, do you have a YouTube video of this that we could send people no, to? No, not at all. Dang no. it, Lisa, you need <laughs> to. So, <laughs> and I actually have like a whole thing that takes it even deeper. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's funny. Like I said, we've only really been doing this for like two months. It has changed our business. It has changed every meeting we have. Now meetings are, what test are you running? Like you sit in the, literally you sit down, oh. Rach, and you're like, okay, marketing, what test are you running? That's it. They show you the test, wow. what process, how far deep are you into it? And you take them through. Then the next, the meetings are so productive, Rach. It oh is my freaking insane. It is insane. So we've only recently been doing this. That's why I'm so excited. That's why I was desperate to tell you about yes, it. Yes, I'm um, so excited. And I'm going to like be a nerd and like literally come watch this video where you explain it so that I can go back and see what you said. But I feel like you guys should teach it so that so then I can tell people like, go watch Lisa teach this on Impact Theory because I it's like 
I always think it's funny because so many people in business are always like, build a process, build a process, build a process. But if you have never built a process, you have no idea how to build one. And so the best case scenario is to take someone who already has a great process and implement it into your business or your goals. So I love that. And I love Thank that you were you. like, Rachel's a nerd like me and she wants to hear this too. <laughs> you are. I literally was like, who nerds out over this stuff? I, I don't know many people to be honest. I am. So. Well, hey, I am, um, I, it's so funny. Like I didn't anticipate that we would go off and 17 different directions, but I should have guessed <laughs> that maybe we would do that. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with me. And I'm so glad that listeners, I always think it's a, a really cool when listeners get to hear my real life friends and learn from them and get to soak up the wisdom that I get to soak up from you on the regular. So thank you for taking the time. If people are listening and they are not already following you, where can they find you online? Yes, please. Um, the biggest thing would be push to YouTube, obviously wanting to build a studio media is definitely you know my jam so um over to women of impact on youtube to see me interview incredible women which rage but i'm here i'm just hanging out in my house girl oh, she's recorded this it's on record okay, perfect perfect <laughs> you got it you got it um but yeah follow me at lisa billu on instagram is pretty much where i go um Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so, I'm super grateful. If you guys are listening, go follow Lisa, go follow Women of Impact, go follow Impact Theory, go follow Tom. They are, I feel like in a world where everyone's saying the same thing, you guys bring such a unique perspective to everything that you do. It's one of the things I admire about you both so much. So I really encourage listeners to go get that in real life and get it on the regular. So thank you, friend. Ditto to you, homie. And I just want to say, like, even with the entire journey you're going through, like, it is, for me at least, beautiful to see an evolution, beautiful to see you being so open about your journey, because I truly believe that so many people will learn from this. So while it's freaking tough, it's like what I was saying earlier, there's, there's no substitute for seeing someone in real time and how they show up and how you process and the way you've been, the way you've handled things, the way you're showing up now, the way you're articulating things is absolutely just beautiful and admirable. And, um, you know, like, you know, as a friend to kind of watch you and you motivate me and help me every day as well. So we can keep it up. All right. I love you. Have a good night. Tell Tom I said hi. I will. All right. Bye.